This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see all of you in the house of God. Enjoyed worshiping with you today. Touch heaven and put the devil on alert that the kingdom of God is alive and well. So praise the Lord. Glad to see you here this morning. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand? Our ushers would gladly get you one. Then go with me to the book of Mark, chapter number 11. Mark 11, we are beginning our first Sunday on a series on the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, there's times in our lives that we have the thought we can fix ourselves or maybe we can fix somebody else. We can't fix anybody. I can't fix me. I can't fix my wife. But God can. And so we look today at God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so the goal today is to stir up the things with the Holy Spirit within every one of us, but to give you a biblical truth on on the significance of the Holy Spirit in the church for today. Now, we begin in Mark 11, and I'll start in verse 15. This this is a really uh, a strange passage of Scripture, almost stunning, but we begin, Mark 11, verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem, then Jesus went into the temple, went into the house of God, went into the church, And begin to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. So he he begins to throw people out of the temple who had bought and sold in the temple. And so he shows right here, he wasn't real happy with what was going on in the house of God. And he goes on to say, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Now this was in the church. So again, Jesus is expelling this one, expelling out, out, you're out, you're out. And then he begins to flip over the tables and the chairs. And it's almost stunning to think of the Lord Jesus doing this, but keep reading here. And, and he would not allow anyone to carry the wares, the goods, or the merchandise through the temple. And so the reason this is that the people, they had shown disrespect for the temple, for God's house. And they had created God's house nothing more than, than a marketplace. And so what happened there is they, they misused the intention for the house of God. And here's what's interesting about Jesus. When he did what he did, he didn't get over in sin. But he did show a righteous indignation. He stood up for what was right. Verse number 16. Verse 17, then he taught them saying, it is not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. So Jesus, first of all, he reveals the purpose and he said, my house is a house of prayer. It's a house where people can call upon the Lord. It's a house where where they can cry out to God. But he said, instead, you've made it a den of thieves. You've used my house for the wrong motives. Now, I want to highlight something in verse 17. At the end, and it says, but you have made it. Now, here's the question off of that. What have you made the house of God? Is it just a place of entertainment, a a place to laugh? Is it a place to... Just come to be with my friends. Maybe it's a place that you come, you're on a hunt. 
You're on a hunt for a spouse, a girlfriend, a job, a duty. But again, the question arises of this, what have you made it? What is the house to me and you? And again, I believe this with all my heart, that the house of God can't be the house that he desires without the Holy Spirit. So turn with me into the Old Testament of the book of Zechariah, chapter number 4. And if you're going backwards, you're going to come to Matthew and then Malachi and then Zechariah is the, the second to the last book of the Old Testament. So we begin in Zechariah 4. We'll go Zechariah 4 and then we'll go to Zechariah chapter 12. Now before I highlight what's going on here, I, I need to read part of the first verse that we're going to read. Zechariah chapter 4. Verse 6, and when you get into this, this will be familiar with many of you. But it says this in Zechariah 4, 6. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Now, what's going on here is the, the Israelites have been in exile. And they come back to their homeland. And this guy named Zerubbabel, he's in charge of rebuilding the temple. That, that was his job right here. And so what happens is they begin to rebuild the temple. And it was going well, but then all of a sudden a thing of apathy came in. Complacency. Uh, Revelations 3 would describe that as lukewarm. And so everything stops. And so this is where they're at right here. And so as they're stopped and they're in this state of apathy, the Spirit of the Lord begins to speak. Now watch what he says. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. He said, it's not by might. The New Living says it's not by force, but literally that word might there means the, uh, the power of accumulated goods or wealth. He said it's not going to be by wealth. And then he says it's, it's not by power, muscular power or physical stamina, but by my spirit. By the empowering of the Spirit of God. The, the Amplified says a ceaseless supply of oil. So what the Holy Spirit represents, he represented the oil there. And so again, if we go back and look at this, the word was to him and said, listen, don't trust in wealth. Don't trust in the power, the strength of mankind. In order to rebuild the house of God, the temple it's going to take the Holy Spirit. Now our lives are going to come into play in this later on this morning. Keep reading. Who are you, O great mountain? A human obstacle or challenge? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. You'll be like a molehill. And he shall bring forth the capstone. He'll finish it. A promise that he'll finish it. A declaration that by the Spirit of God that Zerubbabel's hands would complete the work that God had destined for him. And look how verse 7 ends. With shouts of grace. Grace to it. And so he gives us insight here. The only way that the, the, the temple of God would be rebuilt was by the Spirit of God and God's grace. Same for me and you. Turn a couple pages to, to Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah 12 and look at verse 10. And I will pour on the house of David 
the church, the temple. Now pay close attention what he's going to pour. And I will pour on the house of David and the habit of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Man, when I, I read that right there, you're talking about what the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus right now needs is an outpouring of, of grace and the supplication of the Spirit of God. And when you read this right here, this is one of the, the most beautiful titles for the Holy Spirit in all the Bible. Zechariah referenced the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of grace and supplication. Now keep reading with me here. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. They will look on me whom they pierced. This is a direct reference to Isaiah 53. Talking about the piercing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so right here there is a foretelling of what was going to take place through the Messiah, right here in the Old Testament. And he goes on to say, yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and they will grieve for him as one who grieves for the firstborn. So what you begin to see here, the spirit of grace and supplication in prayers, the, the Hebrew word for grace right here in the supplication, it literally means someone that will influence you. And so we look at the two that he references there, the Lord and Savior Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I believe what this is highlighting here, that the Holy Spirit would bear witness to everything Jesus did. The Holy Spirit will cause Jesus to come to life within us. Now I want you to go to one more Old Testament prophecy. Back to your left, the book of uh, Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36. Now when I look at these these are all cross-referenced, meaning they, they go hand in hand. They go embrace each other. This is the prophet Ezekiel, and this is Ezekiel 36, verse number 26. And listen to what it says here. I, I will give you a new heart, better stated, that's pliable and teachable. And I will put a new spirit within you. That, that the transformation of my will begins to take place. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I'll soften your heart. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. I will influence you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. And so what he's talking about when he puts his spirit within you, it's something that happens on the inside of me. A new will, a new attitude that enables every one of us as believers to keep God's commandment. Do you know what he just said there? The Holy Spirit wants to help you. The Holy Spirit wants to assist you. And so we begin to see two Old Testament prophecies that I believe are very, very real for this day. Now the rest of this morning we're going to go back into the New Testament. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we'll let the Word of God teach us some things here this morning that I believe will help you. Get us going in the right direction. 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 9 is where we'll begin. 
Listen to this. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You're under cultivation. You're God's building. You're under construction. Now look how he starts verse 10. According to what? According to the grace of God. Woo. The old song, Amazing Grace. Boy, that's true. I, I encourage you to ask God to grace you on a daily basis. Lord, I need your grace today. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Now understand this, that when the Apostle Paul is talking about that he's laid the foundation, the foundation has always been and will always be the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the found, without him there is no foundation. And we understand this in a building sense, whether it's a home or a, a building construction, that foundation is critical. And so again, for every one of us, the foundation that was laid is the Lord Jesus. So salvation is the foundation. That's the beginning point. That's not the end. And he goes on to say, and another will build on it. But let each one of you Take heed how he builds on it. Pay attention how you build on it. Don't just throw up some junk. Verse 12 or verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so God the Father, is he's the wise plan. Through the Son's willing obedience, but also by the Spirit's power working with every, within every one of us. And it gets real interesting here. Watch this, verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, with silver, and precious stones, when you see gold, silver, and precious stones, those are durable. Those are all durable. And so literally here, part of this building is to build your house on sound teaching, that my life does not just hear the teaching, but I learn to live my life based on the truth. So one of the ways I build my life is through sound teaching of the Word of God. Now look what he mentions next. Stones, not precious stones, and he goes wood, hay, and straw. When I see these, the wood, the hay, and the straw, these are perishable materials right here. They provide inadequacy. They're not good. And so a lot of times, this is based on unsound teaching. And when I get unsound teaching, it demonstrates within my life a lifestyle that contradicts the truth of the Word of God. Now, when you look at this, you're either going to build your life off of the durable or the perishable. One of the two. Keep reading. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. A reward for a faithful servant. So guess what? When, when we are tested under fire, if your life was built off of the hay, the wood, and the straw, it's going to be gone. You're going to lose it. Verse 14, if anyone's work which he has built on endures, he shall receive a reward. Wow. 
If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. Now when you see the word there that, that he'll suffer loss, this is the reward that the believer might have received for his service. Now this isn't talking about salvation. How do we know this isn't talking about salvation? Look what he keeps saying here. He says, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. So what this begins to look at when you see this, the statement as through fire, it's like someone that's fleeing from a burning house. You lose all your possessions, but you live. And so he's telling every one of us in this room, we're going to be uh, tried with fire. Now watch how this last verse ends, verse 15, or 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells or lives in you? The temple is made holy by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So I begin to look at this and I think, man, the Holy Spirit's got to be part of the teaching. He's got to be part of the one that leads me and guides me. He's got to be the one that helps me then if the temple is to be resurrected or rebuilt within me by the Holy Spirit. So I begin to look at all these passages here. And I, I go back to my life 40 years ago. And the starting point for me, just like every one of us in this room, is receiving Jesus as Lord of my life. That's the foundation. But then I begin to get around sound teaching of the Word of God. And I saw over and over and over the passages that said you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember I was around my brother at those times and I didn't understand the Holy Spirit. I didn't understand a lot of the Bible. But yet I went ahead and I acted on it when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I look at my life and for 40 years now of my life, I've stayed the course. I'm not perfect. I've fallen. I've done stuff. But I've never jumped off the things of God. I've, I've continued to fellowship with the things of God over and over my life. And so I look back at all this and I think, what was the, the significance of that in my life? I got born again. I got, but there was more to it than that. And so as born again Christians, when we try to do life even though we're born again without the help of the Holy Spirit, you're going to get in trouble. You begin to look at yourself. And I know in our society, we have this thought, well, we've, we've evolved as a society. We've advanced as a society. Almost to say we don't need the Word of God or I can break the Word of God. Now for the next, next few minutes, we're going to study the significance of the Holy Spirit for your life. And what you're going to begin to see is just what I told you, the story in my own life. So go to the book of John, chapter 16. John chapter 16. Now, get, get in the Word of God here. I highlight this as one of your homework assignments. For, read the book of John, chapter 16. Read it slow. Marinate it. Let, let the Word of God teach you, Okay? Because we live in a society now where we, we've got to the place where we think we can, we can do church without the Holy Spirit. 
We can do life without the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse number 1. These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. The New Living says this way. So you won't abandon your faith. Your faith won't be shaken or destroyed. Now, now look real close at verse 1, but most or all of, all of chapter 16. And what you'll see in there is red letter words. The one who just said, I don't want you to stumble or grow, go astray, was the Lord Jesus. So you know what he's telling us here? He's, he's warning every one of us in here, this is a possibility. And if I don't heed the things that, that he says, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. There's a chance I'm going to stumble and I'm going to go astray. Same chapter, verse 5. This is the Lord Jesus talking. He says, but now I go away to him who sent me. He's talking about I'm going, I'm going back to heaven with Father God who sent me. And none of you ask where you're going. But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now, here, here's the picture of what's going on here. Remember these disciples had lived with Jesus for over three years. They, they had always had Jesus around. And now he tells them, I'm going to lead you. So their hearts grieved. It's like, well, what are we going to do without the Lord Jesus? Keep reading. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. The New Living says, it's best for you that I go away. It's profitable. It's advantageous for, for, for you that I go away. Now, why would Jesus say that? This was his words. Now, here's the thought for you. Why did Jesus come to the earth? The number one reason that the Lord Jesus came to the earth was to die. Yes, he was to be a model. He was to show us how we were supposed to. But the number one thing Jesus did was to die. And if Jesus didn't die for our sins, nothing for me or you would have ever taken place. I don't know if you figured this out or not. Humanity, we got a sin problem. Jesus was the answer to that sin problem. So Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Now keep reading here in verse 7. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now Jesus right here, he speaks as the helper, which was the Holy Spirit. And the Lord Jesus right here, his statement highlighted the greatness of the Holy Spirit. His exact words, he said, if I don't go away, I won't send the helper to you. So you know what he just told me and you? We need a helper. We got to have a helper. So think just for a little bit what the Lord Jesus, his assignment. He came to the earth to die on the cross to take your place and my place, 
to get rid of the sin problem, the shame problem, and the guilt problem. So Jesus is doing that, and he's going to heaven. He's getting out of here. But when I look at the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was God's way of changing humanity, me and you, from the inside out. That he said, I'll put the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And so when you look at this, think about this in this sense. The age-old dilemma that every one of us face. I want to change, but I can't. I know what I'm doing wrong, but I still do it. And so the Lord Jesus said, I'm going to give you a helper. Now just briefly here. Let me give you some of the meanings for the helper, the Holy Spirit. Not only is he the helper, he's the comforter, he's the counselor, he's the strengthener, he's the standby, he's the intercessor. Here's a really good one. He's your advocate. You know what that means? He represents you in a court of law. And, and the Lord Jesus is the one who said, I'm sending you a helper. So if the Lord Jesus prescribed us a helper, don't you think we probably ought to receive the helper? Here's a thought for all you men. There's two times in the Bible that the Lord said we needed help. So he gave us the Holy Spirit. And he gave us the Holy Spirit Junior called my wife. We need help, men, two ways. Women, you need help one way. But us men, we need help two ways. Now, I want to show you right here. Let, let the Scripture show you the role of the Holy Spirit in you and my life here today, okay? Verse 8. And when he, you may circle he, it didn't say it. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So right here, the Lord Jesus immediately tells us the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. To help you better with the word convict, the Amplified says, He will convince you. That really helped me when I saw the word convince. He will convince you. Verse 9. He will convince you of sin because they do not believe in me. So what begins to happen with me and you as, as sinners? We begin to hear the word of God. And the Holy Spirit takes the word of God. And he starts convicting or convincing your heart that you're a sinner. And that you need the Lord Jesus. That's a good thing. That's a real good thing. So when you come in this house and you start feeling a conviction within you. That's not pastor. I don't have that ability. That's the Holy Spirit working on you. Now, I'm going to give you a great insight, okay? How many of you in here have ever prayed, say, Father God, I welcome the Holy Spirit to convict me of sin. I pray that often for my life. I want the conviction of sin. So guess what happens? When he convicts me of sin, I go before him, I repent, and when I repent, the Bible says he forgives me and cleanses me. And let me give you a little analogy. I'm, I wish I could jump off here, but I'm popping. And every time I get down there, it really pops. So I'm taking a shower a few days ago. 
It's not that I don't shower every day, okay? I do. (laughs) This is how the Holy Spirit will move in my life. Why do you take the shower? To get clean. To wipe the dirt off. To wipe the sweat off. Why do we repent? To get clean. To wipe the sin off. To wipe the junk off. So the same way I shower every day. and what I need a shower in repentance every day. I need to get in the shower of God's mercy and grace and repent. That's a good thing. Just like taking a shower, that's a good thing. And he said his job was to convict us of sin. Verse 10. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. So his job is is to convict us of righteousness or convince us of righteousness. You know what that means? He comes on the inside of us and when we get born again, he reassures me and you, we're, we're sons and daughters of God. And so according to 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, I am the righteousness of God through Christ. So you know what the Holy Spirit does? He begins to convince us and say, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Walk around with your head up. You don't have to bend low. You don't have to be smeared. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. So he reassures me. I'm righteous. Woo, Jesus has made me righteous. Some of you need to get a hold of that. Man, I am the righteousness of God in Christ today. Look at the next one. And if judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. That's an interesting one here. So I begin to look at it, I break it down, and he says, he's going to convict of judgment because the ruler of this age or this world, he said right here, that he has been cast down or he's been judged. Now here's where we go with that. Who's the ruler of this age or this world? The devil. Little insight for you. Anytime on this earth that you're seen stealing, killing, and destroying, that's John 10, 10. The devil is responsible for that, okay? He's the God of this world. He's the God of this age. If you'll look at it, he's specific. This was the Lord Jesus. He said, the ruler of this world is judged. So literally this cross-references into Ephesians, not Ephesians, into Luke chapter 10, verse 18, which said, I saw Satan cast out of heaven, going to the ground like a bolt of lightning. And so guess what he did? Jesus said, I saw him. So when the devil rebelled in heaven, God, God didn't just boot him out. God sent him. Do you know what God said? He's already been curbed. He's already been judged. And so don't put up. Don't put up with the ruler of this, this age or this world right now. I've, I've given you authority. That's the month of March. That is my goal, to get to the month of March and teach on spiritual authority because we need to hear it. But in this sense, the Holy Spirit reassures me I got power over the devil, over the enemy. Where's that at? Ephesians 6, 10, 11, 12, all through there. Also in, in uh, Luke 10, verse 19, it says, I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. 
Man, the Holy Spirit comes in. He begins to tell me that. Don't put up with him. Keep reading. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I bet not. I bet their little heads were twisted. Verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into the truth, and for he will not speak out of his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Red letter words again. In verse 8, Jesus referenced the Holy Spirit as he twice. In verse 13, Jesus referenced the Holy Spirit he six times. He, he, he's the third person of the Godhead. He's not an id, he's not a ghost. He's God himself that comes to live within us. He's not holy weird, he's the Holy Spirit. He's not spooky natural, he's supernatural. I want to dissect this verse just a little bit. However, when he, the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth. The Lord Jesus said the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Was the Lord Jesus telling me and you right here that if I don't receive the Holy Spirit, it's going to be very hard for me to work in the truth because I'm going to start doing it out of my own abilities, my own talent. But he said when the Holy Spirit comes the Spirit, he'll lead you and guide you into the truth. When's the last time you read your Bible and said, Oh, Holy Spirit, show me, show me the truth. Open the eyes of my understanding. Man, he's inviting us to us. So again, this is one of the ways sound doctrine comes. I begin to get the Holy Spirit. I begin to look at the Word of God. And I begin to dissect the Word. And then I get an appetite for the Word of God through the Holy Spirit. Now look what he says. He will guide you into truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Wow. The Holy Spirit was, was given to believers to give us a greater apprehension of the truths, but also to help us to lead us and guide us. To endure this place called the earth, the world. Did you read that right there? He said he'll show you things to come. He'll enlighten us with things to come. This, this was Jesus' letters. This was Jesus' words. And so I look at all this and I think, without him, it's not good. And so when you think about the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is God's agent right here on earth. He's the only agent of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that's on the earth right now. The Bible tells us that, that the Lord Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Where's that at? He's in heaven. And so the only one of the Trinity that is present on the earth right now is the Holy Spirit. And he's the least understood, he's the least preached about, and he's the least discussed as a member of the Trinity. But what would happen if we just started obeying the Bible? 
See, without the Holy Spirit, we become mechanical. We become dry. We become lukewarm. Man, when I have the Holy Spirit within me, the Bible calls him the, the river of living water, the fountain of life, that something begins to happen on the inside of me. And I want you to go back to verse 1 with me and look at this again. And it says, these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. So was the Lord Jesus telling us right there that without the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us and teaching us and convicting us of the sin of righteousness and judgment, there's a good chance we're going to stumble? I believe that's exactly what he was telling us. So something happens when I begin to, to, to submit to the Holy Spirit. At a young age, you know, and I know there's a lot of you young ones in here. I wish I'd have been filled with the Spirit of God when I was a teenager. I wish I'd have known these truths. The reason I highlight that this morning is the Holy Spirit's for all ages. He wants to come on the inside of us. In Luke 11, verse 13, it says this, that the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who will ask Him. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you. The same way you receive the Lord Jesus by faith, you receive the Holy Spirit that way. And the Holy Spirit's not going to come on the inside of you and make you do weird stuff, okay? You're not going to go to Walmart after church and grab the intercom and start speaking in tongues, okay? He's going to make me do crazy. He's not going to make you do crazy stuff. People do crazy stuff. The Holy Spirit doesn't. People do weird things. The Holy Spirit. And I'm very aware of the abuse. But I've seen the real in him for, for 40 years of my life. And I believe to this degree right here that when I got born again and I got filled with the Holy Spirit is the one of the ways that he's kept me from not jumping off the ship. And I keep serving, I keep believing. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.